Hello dear friends, I really wish I could be with you in person or even for the whole planned Reformation weekend. I pray to God that we can do this in person and the full weekend uh, next year. I would really love that. As I look back on my life at the churches that have walked along with me uh, through the ups and downs of life, your church is one of those key churches and I consider you my dear friends. So looking forward. But for today, for this Sunday word from the Lord, I want to focus on one of the elements of the Reformation, which is uh, Scriptura, Sola Scriptura, the Word of God only, as our final judge of what is right and wrong belief and what is right and wrong behavior. But I, I'm not going to preach on the usual places like uh, 2 Timothy 3, although I may refer to it, but I'm going to speak from the Emmaus Road passage. To see how the Bible is Christ's chosen way to speak to us, for us to encounter Him. So let's pray and ask God to speak to us. Father, in the ups and downs of life, we thank You that You are our sure foundation and that we can construct our life around Your truth. And now as Your people wait upon You, speak to us, dear Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 13, Luke 24. On that same day, the day that Jesus was resurrected, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. The two disciples, um, they were going to Emmaus. And they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And that means Jesus' capture, his crucifixion. They didn't know about his resurrection yet. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. And this is a very interesting phrase. They were kept from recognizing him. That God purposely uh, kept them from recognizing that it was Jesus. Because if they recognized it was Jesus, then they wouldn't have been sad anymore. Uh, they would have been very happy. They would have been rejoicing. But I think sometimes God keeps us in the dark for a while to teach us certain deep lessons. So, this is very funny. This is Jesus asking them, uh, what, what are you discussing about as you walk along? And they stood still, their faces downcast. They were very sad, very disillusioned. And one of them named Cleopas asked him, what, are, you, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? This is such a key event that the whole city knows about it. How come you don't know? You were away uh, on holiday or uh, business or what? You just came back. But what, what's this? And then Jesus said, mm, what things? You know, it's really funny. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Had hope, huh? that means no more hope already. We had hoped he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Now, even this passage alone tells me a few key truths. That means if you are faithfully following Christ, following God, does not mean that there will be periods of life where it seems that God has failed or that God has disappeared. Now, there were many people in Jesus' time uh, who claimed to be the Messiah. That, that these two disciples actually chose the right one. Uh, it's to their credit. So they had actually chosen the right Messiah. Jesus was the one. Maybe they saw his miracles, they heard his teaching, say, oh, this one, this is the promised Messiah. You would have thought that as a reward for choosing the right Messiah, they would have experienced blessings, 
they would have had a good time, but instead to their shock and horror, the one that they thought was the Messiah, Kena captured, tortured, and killed. So totally disillusioned. And well, I, I know firsthand, and I'm sure many of you do, that even though we are trying our best to follow God, there's no guarantee that we won't go through perplexing periods in time where God seems to have failed us. That, that is a reality. Huh? And so these two are in that kind of situation. But maybe the consoling truth from this early part of the passage is this, that when we are down and discouraged, God seeks us out. But they were not looking for Jesus. They thought Jesus gone already. But Jesus went to seek for them. And so I, I'm going through a rough time. Many of you may be going through a rough time. And you don't have to ask, where is God? God is actually looking out for you. Now we see this character of God even in Exodus 3, right? where Yahweh says, I've seen the struggles of my people, I've heard their cries, and I have come down to them. God never says, you come up to me. He says, I come down to them. So God comes to us in our point of need. And in this crazy COVID period, some of us may be going through tough times or, or tough times are exaggerated because of, of the conditions in which we are going through. But you hear, even though you are faithfully following God, no guarantee you will always go through good times. There are times when God seems to have failed or seems to have disappeared, but God seeks you out and He's with you. But the interesting truth here is that there are sometimes, although God is with you, He purposely hides. No? They were kept from recognizing Him. The implication is that God kept them from recognizing Jesus. If they had recognized Jesus, I think their pain, confusion, all suddenly gone already. Hey, it's Jesus. Hey, you, you really rose from the dead. Now come, let's go makan. So they would have lost that point of, of tension and you would think that that's a good thing. But I think God understands that there are times when we can only learn certain lessons when we are going through a rough time. I don't know whether you agree or not. That certain lessons, it is only in pain that we learn. I, I think that is true for my own life anyway. If we are happy, you know, we praise the Lord, all that, but you know, certain things may escape our attention. But when we are in a dark spot, then it's when uh, we are more teachable. We are more teachable. So they were kept from recognizing Him. So these three of them are walking, Jesus and these two fellows, Cleopas, the other guy we don't know, maybe another friend, maybe his wife, you know. but they are walking along. And uh, verse 21, we had hoped that He was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. Because they would maybe remember that Jesus said on the third day he will rise again. Third day. And the women, who were much more faithful than the guys, by the way, when the soldiers came, all the guys all chabot, the girls all still hang around watching where they put Jesus and all that. And early in the morning, they went to the tomb to put spices on Jesus' body. But they went there, they couldn't find his body. And then got angels. So the guys may be a bit incredulous. You know, like women very emotional. Maybe there's some emotional hallucination or whatnot. So some of the guys went to check it out. But hey, the girls were telling the truth. They, they couldn't find Jesus' body. They could not see Jesus. Now, at this point, what would you do? I mean, Jesus would say, okay guys, enough sweating. Sweating, it, it, it's really me. I, I really rose again. But instead, he scolded them. How foolish you are. 
how slow to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter His glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, He explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning Himself. So now this became a walking Bible seminar. So he would then point out, no, no Isaiah is it this, and then in Psalm it says this, whatever. You already already in your Bible already. You, you know that the, the Messiah had, had to suffer and then only enter his glory. And he showed them how the Bible talked about him. Now I think this is very important. Of all the things that Jesus could have done, he pointed them to the scriptures. And my belief is this Jesus knew a day would come when he would go back to the right hand side of the Father, and then they would not be able, the disciples would not be able to encounter Jesus in the flesh personally, because he had already taken up, ascended to the right hand side. So in that period which was coming, when Jesus was no longer accessible in the flesh, they want to meet Jesus. Huh? Where do they go to? They go to the Word. Lah. From then onwards, when Christ is no longer with them, they will meet Christ in the Word. Therefore, he had to take pains, number one, not to reveal himself yet, and number two, to show them where they could encounter him in the Word. In the word, and and that is also of course our situation as well. No, no, Christ has come back to us in the spirit, but how do we encounter Christ? We encounter Christ as the Spirit leads us into the Word. So that's why the study of the Word is so critical. That's why one of the Reformation truths that it is the Word only, above traditions and other beliefs. It is the Word which is our final authority of right and wrong belief, right and wrong behavior. And that's where it's worthwhile to quote Second Timothy three. 16, 17, all scripture is God-breathed. That means breathed out by God. <sighs> Exhale. And useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In other words, how do we know what is right and wrong belief, right and wrong behavior? is the scriptures. That's why we, it is key to all of God's people that we make the study of scripture central in our life of the church. Because that is where we encounter Christ. And it's therefore Jesus' own chosen way of revealing himself to us. It is revealing himself to us. And the rest of the chapter tells us two other things about Bible study. Later on in verse 45, uh, he, he said that he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. So there is a place for proper uh, intellectual study of the word of God. To study the word of God accurately and properly. Sometimes in the past, uh, we find the Word of God is taught so boringly, so rationally. You know, we, we then shy away. You know, we only want a prophetic words. We only want direct words. We don't have the patience to read through large chunks of Scripture properly interpreted. And that is not the trouble with the Scripture. It's the trouble in which the way it was taught, it was taught just conceptually, but not helping people to hear the voice of Christ. So I have gone to seminary and I would argue for the sheer importance of correctly interpreting the word. Open your mind. Verse 45, open their mind. Because if you don't interpret the word correctly, then you can just simply put in whatever interpretation you suka. You know, that, that, that is not God's word. There is no authority. Proper Bible exegesis, proper Bible interpretation is critical in hearing Christ's voice accurately. Not just, I suka suka, make the words mean whatever I want. Huh? Even though you may think you are in the spirit or whatever. But, it is clear that this kind of study cannot be just purely studying content. Bukan information saja, you know. 
Because we are also told by the two disciples later, their hearts were burning within them. So it is burning heart, open mind. You know? So there is a place for prophecies, for direct words. That is why, why the Spirit is given to us, so we can apply the Word of God in some specific way. But still, the basic rule must be proper interpretation. Nah? So the, the Bible is a ruler to check our prophecies, our words, whether really from the Lord or our own imagination. No? So we, we still need the Word of God for that final arbiter of what is right and wrong. But we must study the Word not just for information. That's why we reacted to that last time. So boring, the five facts here, six points there. We want to meet Jesus. Lah. And that's what Jesus wants to do. He wants to encounter us through the Word. So it's not just uh, studying the Word for information. We must study the Word for encounter. So whenever I open my Bible, or I listen to a sermon, or CG, Bible discussion, or whatever, beyond getting the facts correct, and that is still important, like I said, I will ask Jesus, uh, what are you saying to me uh, through this passage, through this book we are studying, through this sermon? So I want to have a personal encounter with the living word who speaks behind the written word. So as we move on as a church and God has brought you through all sorts of adventures, I know you have had a strong history, you all came out from Brandon, Khan, of the word of God. And that must remain. That must remain. Not in some dry intellectual study, but as the chosen place where Jesus has, wants to speak to you. And if you commit yourself to properly studying large chunks of scripture, not just a verse here, a verse there, you provide the context where the Spirit can actually apply individual words and, 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 and uh, meanings for your given situations. So it's not either or. It must be understanding, burning heart, open mind, burning heart, both. And the churches tend to you know, gravitate towards one or the other, but there's a false dichotomy. Proper study, but waiting for the Lord to speak and burn our heart. Both of them. So this is a key point for Reformation Sunday about how the Word of God is central. You know, everybody got tradition. We say, oh, you know, Catholics, Anglicans. Wait long enough, huh? every church got tradition. Your church also got tradition. You may or may not know. And, then, and not all tradition is bad. And some of the tradition actually are needed application of Scripture. Because the Scripture don't tell you everything. New situations arise. We need to ask the Lord how to apply the Word of God to new situations. But application and the scripture, not same value. Lah, because sometimes the situation has changed and certain practices may have to be modified. But that's where the ruler is the Bible. You know, and you measure, measure. Okay, this worked 10 years ago. Sekarang, uh, we need to change this. So always subject everything to the judgment of the word of God properly interpreted. And ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, is it still the way we want us to do things or some other way? So don't think that only the mainline denominations are the tradition. Everybody who has been around for some time got a certain way of doing things. But it's the word of God which is central. So it's the way, it's the place that Jesus wants to meet us and speak to us. So please continue on this commitment to the word of God and letting the word of God shape your heart. Shape your heart. So let's continue to at least finish the rest of the passage. Uh, verse 28, as they approached the village to they were going, there's uh, you know, the two guys, husband, wife and Jesus. Um, Jesus continued on as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it is nearly evening. Today is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Now again, Jesus doesn't barge into our lives. You know, he is invited, lah, and he doesn't just barge into our lives. 
So they saw it as evening, and those days, uh, the inns and all that were very few and often of ill repute. So if you are a good host and you have someone with you in the evening, you will normally invite them to stay with you. So evening already, this guy said, uh, "He come, come and stay with us." So Jesus responds. I think Jesus wants to have fellowship, so he went in to stay with them. Then makan, they were at the table. He took bread. Jesus took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them to eat. Now, did you ever wonder uh, why Jesus is the one chosen to give thanks? Uh? Surely it must be the host, uh, who's the host of the house, who's the, the host to give thanks. Why they ask this relatively unknown fellow to come and give thanks? Well, my theory is this. If you were to ask one of your pastors to go to your house for makan, let's say, uh, and then it's time to say grace, uh, you agak who is asked to say grace? The visiting leader, okay? the pastor, whatever. So this guy is talking with Jesus on the road. He said, wow, this fellow really no Bible, man. He must be some spiritual leader, man. I better ask him to say grace. Man. So Jesus is the one who took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them. But at that point, their eyes were open and hey, they recognized, hey, it's Jesus. And then, boom, he disappeared from their sight. So now that Jesus has taught them the lessons he wanted to teach them, which is, Next time, uh, when I'm not around, uh, you find me uh, in the Word. in the word. And of course, it's also in the context of fellowship. Now, people say this is the beginning of the Lord's Supper. They say, no, it's the actual makan. Uh, hello. But it is in fellowship that we encounter Christ as well. So if the Word is central, then we also encounter the Word, not just individualistically, but also as a community. We are a community of the Word. And, and so, in the past, you know, we say, oh, no, just me and the Bible and the Holy Spirit, you cope, and I don't really need others. But really, it is in the context of community that is a safe place to hear the word and then encounter Jesus. So fellowship is important. COVID time, very susah. So difficult to meet face to face. We try to go around it, Zoom or that, which we must, we must try. But our default, it's not just Sunday worship where we all sit in rows, but in fellowship over a meal where we can share life. You know, we can share life and see where is Christ in, in what we are studying. So fellowship is a key component of Bible study. Often they see these two, two different things. You know, this is fellowship, this is Bible study. But it's in the context of deep relations. I think something I preached about the last time I preached uh, a few years ago. It's in the context of fellowship that we learn together as well. So when they encountered Christ now, because the guy was walking with him all along, suddenly they, the Jesus, uh, the father, I think, took away the, the, the blinker. Ching! Hey, it's Jesus. Then he disappeared because already mission accomplished. Already teach them. Next time, I'm not around. Like now, you remember, I thought about the word of God talking about me. Uh, remember, the next time you go to the word, you will find me again. Then they said, wow, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? heart was burning. That's what I mean. The Word of God is not just some hate knowledge, but it must also burn the heart. Yeah. And they said, wow, just now, yeah, you know, we were listening to him and he wasn't one of the regular teachers because as we heard him expounding the Word, wow, heart on fire. And as a pastor, as a Bible teacher, this is what, by God's help, I try to do. When I preach the Word, it must touch the heart and not just enter the mind. I ask God for help, of course. Then, what to do now? They actually found out that Jesus actually rose again from the dead. You must go and tell your friends so they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. Wow, these guys were very fit. I don't know how, much, how long it takes to walk seven miles, no grab. Or what. They, 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 they went back to, to the, the other disciples. 
There they found the eleven, and as they entered the house, the eleven told them, they were assembled together, Hey, 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 guys, it's true, no? The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two, Cleopas and the other guy, Yeah, yeah, we know, man. Uh, today, you know, Jesus was recognized by us. He walked with us. And then we recognized him and he broke the bread. And that is the conclusion of this part of the story. You know? yeah, it's true. We know it's true. The fellow walked with us. And then he expounded the word. At the time, I don't know why we can't recognize him, but our hearts were burning. Then when we broke bread together, we recognized him. Maybe there were people who were at one of the feeding miracles, you know, the, the words like uh, took bread, gave thanks, broke it. These are words we see that also describe the various feeding miracles. So maybe they were one of those who were there and then the similarity of words and actions opened their eyes. Hey, hey, it's Jesus. And so then this is where the section ends. It continues on when Jesus appears to the disciples. Maybe we can pick this up at uh, Easter next year. But I want to stop here at this point because my emphasis today is on the centrality of the word. And it's not just some boring uh, emphasis on you must study the word. No, man. In a brethren church or son of brethren church, we've heard this how many times? Must do quiet time, huh? must go to Sunday school, huh? must listen to sermon. Huh? Uh, but he said, hey, Christ wants to burn your heart. You want or not? Ah, that's different. Uh, different. So is that where? Where? Through the word. I remember the night before I discovered that my first wife had cancer, the night before. My wife, the children had gone back to PJ. I was still in Penang, where I am right now, and had a small mini retreat. And that night, and I was not going through any special readings or what. It was just my regular daily break kind of readings. I remember that I happened to read the book of Job. And these kind of things are you never ever forget. So it was a good time in my life, you know, the church at the time. Uh, First Baptist was growing. Uh, my second child just came. And it just so happened. I'm telling you this, that it wasn't some prophetic word. So in, read the book of Job. Nothing, it was just part of my regular reading, Sajah. And yet, as I read that book of Job that night, somehow the Spirit touched my heart and said, this book is going to be very significant for you in the days ahead. And then the next day, the news came that my wife had stage 4 lung cancer. But that night before, as I read the book of Job, I remember that I learned a number of key truths that have remained with me. Number one is, even though you are faithfully following God, there's no guarantee you will be spared the struggles of a fallen world. The Revelation 21, 22, when Christ comes back, then no more problem. But this side of heaven, there will still be some degree of experiencing the brokenness of life. Number two, God is always sovereign. It means whatever happens, God has to allow it. So Satan couldn't do whatever he wants. He had to ask permission. So God is always in sovereign control. So you want to get upset, don't get upset at Satan. Sometimes you get upset at God. Why you allow this? Huh? Thirdly, I learned that God always has a reason for what he does. So there was this, it's not arbitrary, you don't suffer pain, just God got nothing to do that day and he fell asleep or no. There's always a reason why things happen to you. It was this discussion between God and the adversary. We know that now. Job didn't know. But the point being that God had a reason for what he did. The fourth point, maybe the toughest one, is that although God has a reason, uh, he is not obliged to tell you the reason. No. He is God. Maybe we can't understand. Uh, maybe it's not right time yet. Maybe like the two disciples, there are lessons we need to learn first. But although God has a reason, God may not always tell you the reason. He's not obliged to. He's godly. 
the other truth is six fifth one to five fifth truth is God doesn't make mistakes. So Job was very perplexed. No, I try my best to follow. Why cannot all these things? Not fair. Eh? Why so he go and knock on God's door, tung, tung, tung. Hey God, you got the wrong job or what? That's a job next door. Maybe he's a naughty boy, he should be punished. Why I cannot all these bad things? So I want to see God. I want to see God. I want to to have my case before him. Boom, 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 boom. Then after a while, boom, 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 God appeared in the whirlwind. Boom. Then he said, Okay, who's the one that is putting a case against me? Come, come, come. Hey, were you there when the stars were created or not? Uh, were you there or not? So then he went a whole long range of things. Basically to tell him that I am God, huh? And you are not. I am God. And frankly, you see my wisdom and power. Do I look like the kind of God who make mistake? Uh? Wrong job. Uh? Hello? Then Job was silenced. I spoke too soon. I'm sorry, Lord. I shouldn't have doubted you. But at the end of the story, of course, God restores him. For us, our ultimate restoration is Revelation 1 and 2. So what am I telling you all this, huh? It's because I was faithfully studying scripture, not just hungry for prophecies or just chunk and chunk and chunk of scripture, that the night before my life was actually completely overturned, I happened to be reading the book of Job. Not every time we read but some drama like this, but the point is our commitment to, to faithfully study the word of God is the way that we will be able to hear God speak to us and encounter Christ. And even if there's no drama, knowing the word of God gives us that, that ability to discern whether a word is from the Lord or not. It allows God to use those truths to speak directly to our heart when we need to hear a direct word. So my dear friends, on this Reformation Sunday, many people claim this and that. Commit yourself again to your biblical heritage. Sola Scriptura, Scripture above all. No human tradition, even from the church, can ever replace the place of, Christ, of the Word of God as the final definition of what is right and wrong, what is false and true. You never have to fear. If you take the Word seriously, you will encounter the Spirit. Spirit and Word are not separate. So my dear friends, this is a truth that is very close to my own heart. And you know me, I think you ask me because I'm someone who takes the exposition of God's Word very seriously. But I have my reasons for doing so. And this passage in the Emmaus wrote of Jesus selecting the Word of God as the place where we will encounter Him is one key reason. And my own personal experience of the night before I discovered my wife had cancer. So be encouraged. Commit yourself to building your life and your church and your ministry upon the foundation of God's Word. You will not go wrong. Let me pray. Father, in these days of the information age, there are many voices out there, both outside the church and even within the church, claiming this and that. But Lord, let us be very clear that you have chosen to speak to us primarily, primarily through the Bible, primarily through the Word. And we as a church, may we recommit ourselves to be a people of the Word. And when we do that, Lord, I believe many other things will fall in place. So I pray this for my dear, dear friends. Will they be known also as a community of the Word. I pray for them uh, in the exciting days that we are now and in the days ahead. May they know your voice as they study your Word. For I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.